Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. It is Monday, the 15th of February. I am joined, as always, by my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you doing today? Just fine, son. Good to hear your voice. Likewise. You staying warm and dry in all that cold weather that's hitting the East Coast? Well, it's been kind of cool here. It's been in the yeah. 30s, and, you know, maybe getting into the 40s. But mm-hmm. uh, I haven't been going out, so it doesn't make much difference. And when I do, I have an in- indoor garage, so I back out the door and go to where I want. And <laughs> usually just have to carry a jacket along to get from one, you know, uh, to run into a store and pick up something because we don't eat yeah. at the store anymore. So usually I'm going out for food, so that's. Yeah. So minimal exposure, huh? Yeah. You can look Midwest, out at the cold weather. Yeah, Midwest, I'm really feeling bad for them. Man, they're down zero in Dallas, Texas, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dallas, and, you know, I've got uh, um, family that's in, uh, you know, uh, Mississippi, and, and uh, uh, they're showing pictures of, of, you know, snow covering the streets it's weird too because the west coast the northwest is getting it as well so like seattle and portland a friend of mine who lives in seattle showed pictures and usually they're they're coastal enough that they don't get uh they don't really get a lot of snow and it's just you know a blanket of white covering everything uh so yep definitely a cold snap rolling through Makes me happy to live here in California. And, you know, it's funny because this morning here it was like 47, 46, something like that. So when I came out to my studio this morning, I was cold. So on the first break, I went in and got a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt so that I could be a little warmer. <laughs> but, but we're not getting any of the snow. We had one snow, and that's a, that's usually our limit for the season. And that was a couple yeah. of weeks ago. They mentioned snow one time last week. And, in fact, it showed that it was snowing on the uh, – forecasters thing in, mm-hmm. in Huntersville. Now, where if, if they really got some in Huntersville, I don't know about it because it didn't get in my, my part of the town. Yeah. Didn't so, come around you, huh? No. So. Yeah. The, uh, you know, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, usually most people when they see, oh, there's, you know, 60% of, uh, of uh, chance for rain, from what I've read, what that really means is not that there's 60% chance that you will get it in any given spot. What they're saying is is that that in the area that they're talking about, 60% of that area will get rain. That's that's right. That's what it really means. And yeah, so... They at, uh, what they do, I think, is have something that estimates the cloud cover as a percentage of the city. Or of the space, like right. Yeah, and they can do that with satellites, and they can say, well, here comes the clouds. That's going to cover about 60% of this county, so we'll say that county has 60% chance of rain. Yep, that's about as good an estimate that's, that they're going to, you're going to get from somebody. Yeah. Especially if it's if it's a near, near-term near estimate, you know. Long-term estimates work totally different. They just uh, uh, kind of know how. They, they're very dependent on how clouds normally move through that your particular region, and they right. depend on the percentage of the time that it'll move that, that way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Historical data and, and satellites and they kind of guess. And in California, it usually, you know, boils down to it's going to be sunny. <laughs> yeah. Actually, though, I, I think the bigger factor is they do have air pressure uh, or atmospheric pressure measurements at lot, lots of places. And so that has a lot to do with how air is going to move. Uh, right. So that, that's the primary tool. 
Um, yeah. But they compare that to what it's done historically. You know that there's a lot of these home weather kits that you can get. And when you get them, uh, you know, they're, uh, you have the option of signing up for them to be online and have that information sent into the, uh, you know, National Weather Service. And then all of your weathermen pick up that information. So you can add to the amount of information that's being collected if you choose to, if you want to buy a little home weather kit that's... Well, there, uh, there's even an app that I still have somewhere on something where you can you know where those local weather stations are and you can see mm-hmm. what they're saying right you know at any moment you know get real right. time data from them yeah well that's one of the things that the uh the company that was behind um uh dark sky did was that they were really really good at at uh super accurate micro weather in certain areas and so um i mean i i've been shocked on more than one occasion when i was on a deck coaching somewhere and i'd get a little buzz and i'd look and see dark sky says it's going to start raining in 10 minutes and sure enough you know within a minute or two of when they predicted it i would start getting rain and it was shocking how accurate it was and apparently it was so good apple said we like that we're going to buy it so they bought them out who did Apple bought out Dark Sky, which was my favorite weather okay. app. Yeah. Yeah. And it, apparently yeah. they made a lot of their money uh, selling their information to other people who have weather apps. So they have an API that other people use for tracking weather. Um, and uh, Apple has said a lot of that's going to be shut down eventually because it's going to be the underpinnings of Apple weather. But the Dark Sky app and the Dark Sky, uh, net website are still available and still working. But I have noticed that now the regular weather app, I have one of the Apple weather apps as a um, little widget on my phone desktop. And it now shows if there's going to be um, if there's going to be like rain in the next few minutes or something. So they're clearly um, well, excuse know, me, using, taking using taking advantage of that. Yeah. yeah, they're taking advantage of the company's info that they bought and integrating it into their own weather. Well, I've loved Dark Sky from, from their founding. I, I had it, and uh, I've always loved their their accuracy in the short term, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's There's been nobody who's better than them at well, saying, you know, wh- what's it going to be like in the next hour where you are? And it to- that's totally dependent on how many independent little weather stations there are in your area. Right. This isn't going to work if there are no stations there, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I was tying it into the conversation because that's what we were talking about was all these little uh, micro weather things. Like I said, you can buy a home weather station kit and and plug it into your Wi-Fi or your Internet. And, uh, and that way you can see exactly what's going on in yours. But you can also then optionally share that with the National Weather Service or whomever uh, and... Uh, and help make the, the weather more I, accurate for everybody. I would, say, make, I would say to the people who are asking you to share, say, make me an offer. Yeah, what's it worth <laughs> to you? Information's yeah. worth something these days. Ask Facebook. Well, it's just like the battle going on now between Microsoft and Google. Microsoft basically uh, agrees that you can't use local news people's data uh, without uh, compensating them for it. But Google's always thought, of, oh, that's free. You know? Yeah. If you're saying it out in public, we can repeat it. Yeah. And, and the news gatherers are saying, well, wait a minute. It costs us money to go get that news and to collect it up and to edit it. You can't just use it for nothing. 
So, and I agree with them. You know, there's value to that stuff, and Google has gotten rich just stealing it. That's right. You know, and yeah. essentially, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, we didn't steal it, but that's arguable. You know, yeah. they got in trouble before when they were doing the um, their book project too, where they were just taking people's books, even if they were copyrighted, and scanning them. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. You well, know, I'll tell you that, what, there's, there's a whole lot of free books online that are out of copyright now. I don't think copyright lives forever. Oh, it doesn't. Ago. It doesn't. And I, and, I, and I support their scanning in of those books that are out of copyright so that you can go get them and, and read through them. Um, the Gutenberg Project is the one that, that Google has supported. And, right. you know, like, like uh, if you want to read Moby Dick, uh, by Herman Melville. Well, that's that's not covered by anybody's copyrights anymore. Anybody can publish that. In fact, if you go to your bookstore, if you can find one of those things, it's a place where they used to sell a lot of books. You know, you didn't just click online, but you really went to a store where they had books on the shelves. And yeah. uh, back in back in the olden days, when you did that, um, very often there was a section of that they would call classics, and they were you know very usually nicely bound in in leather you know, finished books. And they would have a lot of those old books like Moby Dick and Charles Dickens and, and things like that, that are, you know, well outside of the, um, uh, the copyright. And if you wanted to have those on your bookshelf and make people think, you know, or try to make people think that you are well read, you could do that. Um, or if you just wanted to have them for your kids to be able to read some of the classics, you know, yeah, have that conversation about, uh, Huck Finn and 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 the racism in, endemic in that time period, you know. Uh, um, well, so there's, there's a, there, there are a lot of books that uh, are are like that uh, that really still have great value. Especially, uh, I, I tend to read quite a lot of religious books, and religion doesn't change. I mean, it's not substantially. Uh, Mm -hmm. over periods of time so if you if you read earlier stuff a lot of it absolutely is totally applicable today and it really competes with all the new writers that are out there trying to do the same thing you know so it makes it really tough yeah. for people today to sell books yeah yeah the only issue becomes just the um uh, language and phraseology, you know, the way they say things sometimes it, you have to keep that in mind that when you're reading stuff and the same thing with some of these classic books, you know, it's the yeah. way they structure a sentence and stuff sometimes sounds awkward by today's standards. Um, and it can kind of put you off a little bit. Um, I actually have uh, a tab saved here, uh, cause I started reading it a while ago. Uh, I had, I read it when I was younger, but I just, you know, it's free to read. So I just keep it on there as a saved tab a pinned tab on my website, um, Moby Dick, which is the one that I had mentioned a minute ago because it's uh, uh, available on the Gutenberg Project uh, webpage. But, uh, you know, call me Ishmael some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particular on interest or, uh, of interest to me on shore, I thought I would sail about. You know, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't keep money in my purse as a gentleman these days, but, you know, at one point in time. Well, what I found interesting is that I would, I had compiled a pretty good list of free online books of the Catholic genre. And uh, I was, because I publish a newsletter for the Knights of Columbus, I would using those, as I said, Catholic treasures. And I, each month I'd put a new one in there. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, just this last week, somebody beat me to it, and they did the job so well that I don't have to go searching at all anymore. I found one site that's got a list of probably 200 books and pamphlets, uh, all specific to the Catholic faith uh, from the early days, you know, 19, mm -hmm. early 1900s. And uh, some of them are absolutely terrific. Uh, and You know, we were, early 1900s is not considered the early days of the Catholic faith. Oh, I know that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I talk about published material, you know, yeah. that wasn't that long yes. ago. My, my folks yeah. grew up in the early 1900s. You know, that's yeah. when they were well, born. Yeah, well, and realize, too, you're talking about things published in English, not Latin or Greek, right? So... You know, there's lots well, of stuff available if you if you want to go Latin, but um, you know that's a little tougher reading. That's, oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, but most of the stuff today has been translated to English. You know, right? But but that's why I was saying about the date. You know, it's like a lot of the English stuff is not stuff that has been around for 1,500 years. You know, that's that's newer stuff. So uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. No, there's lots of interesting uh, stuff in here. I've just, you know, if you go to uh, uh, Gutenberg.org, you can find uh, uh, things by, uh, you know, novels by William Faulkner, um, a bunch of the uh, 1950s uh, sci-fi and, and uh, magazines, planet stories. There's short stories and serialized works that are in those that are available yep. now, and they've been scanned in, uh, which is kind of just, it's interesting, you know, bye, bye. to... By the way, there are some fairly decent translators online. Google was big in that for a while. and mm -hmm. I, Still are. Yeah. And uh, they don't do quite as good a job as somebody who sits there and uh, translates it and then sort of maybe rewrites a sentence because it sounds better another way, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they tend to do literal translations, and so if you, you don't always get the the overall meaning because sometimes there are certain phrases that are colloquialisms to a certain area or a certain language and yeah. the literal translation doesn't always, you know, like, like, um, uh, you know, well, uh, thinking of it in Spanish, there's a, a line that essentially translates to for nothing. And what it means is, uh, you know, no big deal. Don't worry about it. I, you know, I took care of it. Yeah. And, 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 and yet, you know, for nothing doesn't, but necessarily when you talk about a translators it's a word for a word and what you right. prefer really is a sentence per sentence you know yeah yeah you want contextual rearrange the, rearrange the verbs and the nouns and, and stuff to yeah. make sense you know and they're getting much better at that but you're right you want the you want it sort of in context um, it's an interesting technology though because it's the underlying technology of of uh, you know voice recognition because they're starting to do that now you know, right. you can do it real time on uh, Apple is doing it real time. And so is Google. You can buy the Google uh, Pixel earbuds and a Google Pixel phone and they'll tie into an audio version of Translate and they'll do it real time. So you can actually have somebody speak into your phone and it'll translate that to your language in your ears if you're wearing the earbuds. Right. Uh, which is pretty astounding. That's it's getting real close to that universal translator that they had in Star Trek, right? Where you could see aliens right. from whatever planet and just walk up and start talking to them. Now with the uh, M1 chips, you got the power to really do it well, too. You know. Yeah. So um, speaking of M1 chips, you know, uh, I don't know if you did. You see the the rebuttal from the fine folks at Intel? 
uh, yes, I did. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that last time. We did, yeah. Um, I've read a little bit more about some of that stuff, and it seems like some of the things that they were, some of the points they were making, were actually fairly legitimate. And other ones, I think, are you know they were cherry picking the the particular things that made them look better, which are are sure. you know why wouldn't they? Of course, they're going to pick the things that make them look better. Oh, and uh, and, and, and 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 just them countering it, you expect that. I mean, you you know, business is competition, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not going to just lay down and die and say, "Okay, you're right. You're better than us. We'll just quit. We'll go out of business." <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And then they still sell more chips and in more computers than than uh, Apple does by you know probably an order of magnitude. So, um, yeah, you know, for a while anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The world is changing. Although it was interesting, you know, when they when you go, um, I don't know if you remember the article that I I think I had shared. It was one where a guy broke down basically what they're doing in the Apple chip that makes it significantly faster, and a lot of the things that they're doing are things that that intel can do and that that uh, qualcomm can do there's not you know there's not uh you know magic in the in the books there they're just some good decisions about using the chips the way they're using them and uh you know the 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 others will start doing those kinds of things and narrow that gap but by the same token some of the things they can't do uh, at least as the world is structured right now is integrate some of that into their operating system as well because most of the chip makers don't make uh, uh, operating systems and design chips. Although yeah. I've heard rumors that Google is considering doing something like that. Yeah. Well, to me, the, there was one piece of hardware technology in the M1 chip that was uh, really, I, I thought, uh, a new thing. And that is they have designed the memory. They've always had multi-access memory, but it had some flaws to it. But they now have lots of different devices on the chip accessing the memory simultaneously. Right. Okay. And so that speeds up things a whole a whole bunch. You, you, you know, you don't have to uh, divide the memory and say, "Oh, you get to use this memory part of the memory, and somebody gets to move get to use that," because mm -hmm. you still then have to move it from one part to another, which is a right. unnecessary thing. Single pool of memory. Yeah. Yeah. The integrated memory architecture is something that others can get into um, uh, if they, you know, change their system up a little bit. But that that's one of their big gains. Um, it was interesting to see, too, that they are not doing uh, multiple threads on the machine, because remember a while back that was that came out as a big security issue is that the multi threaded processes were a problem. Uh, but what they're doing is they're doing multiple pipelines. Um, yeah. And so that way, you know, if you've got two threads, because remember the thing was is that, and it was a pretty esoteric thing, but they were saying that if you have two threads going simultaneous because of their uh, proximity of each other on the chip, because we've gotten these smaller and smaller, uh, you know, distance between signals on a chip, that a that you could perceive what was going in going on on the channel next to you because of how it affected you because they're only nanometers apart. And uh, and everybody kind of went, yeah, we can't do anything about that. Uh, but you can if you don't design your chips to be multi-threaded, which is something that Apple has said, yeah, we're just not going to do that. Yeah. So it's all interesting. 
all interesting stuff and how that technology is going to play out. But yeah, I, it's, we've seen the, we've seen the punch by Apple in terms of, Hey, look what we can do. It'll be interesting to see the counter punch from folks like Qualcomm and, um, and, uh, Intel and AMD. Oh, that's inevitably going to happen. The only question is how long is it going to take to implement it? You know, new inventions in anything these days buys you time. That's what it, that's what it's all about. And so yeah. in that time frame, you go out and you sell like crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's they've got, I mean, if they started from day one when the M1 was released and people went, oh, my gosh, look at what they've done. Uh, it's taken them, you know, a few months to sort of figure out what really they've done. And then probably, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years before they can then implement their own version of that design and get it into production. So you figure they've got at least a couple of years head start on some of that, and that's not to say that they don't then have other things in the pipeline that they're going to do uh, subsequently that they haven't released yet. You know, you don't you don't let all of your chickens out of the coop at once, right? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, given the way they're going and the, and the just the types of decisions that they're making, I wouldn't bet against Apple for maintaining, um, you know, superiority in their chips in the areas that matter to their devices. And I say it that way because clearly there are things that will be more superior using alternative chips in other devices because they have different priorities, right? But, but my thought is that this is also an optimal time for them to try to attract different segments of business. Like, uh, you know, I mean, business is be used in two ways, <laughs> as I just realized. Uh, but Microsoft, of course, has, has the dominance in the business market for a lot mm-hmm. of computer applications, but uh, Apple could break into that while they have a, the op- opportunity uh, mm-hmm. with better performance, if better performance matters. Now, for people who are just secretaries and typists and stuff like that, it's not going to make any difference. Right. You know, performance is not something they're worried about. But for artists and stuff, uh, Apple's always had a pretty good uh, part of the market there, but mm-hmm. especially art, anything that has to do with audio and video processing or something that consumes more horsepower is going to be uh, um, definitely more interested in an Apple type of uh, machine. Yeah, because that's 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 their emphasis, you know. When you, when you ask what you can do with power, and and the other thing I thought might. Uh, be a really important is the fact that they do have some AI processing on there, and what that is, I don't know because I'm not conversant in, in AI. That that was after I'd retired, and I really haven't studied it extensively. But I suspect that AI uh, has a number of different flavors of that that matter. For example, what, how are you going to use AI uh, in your machine, uh, and what kind of AI? features and functions are there because I'm sure it's different for uh, learning certain kinds of things, let's say image processing AI versus uh, AI associated with uh, data uh, just data uh, what do they call that? Uh, data correlations where you, where uh-huh. you look, do, do data mining that, that's a different type of, of AI you know they may share some functions, but but uh, every place that you use AI 
uh, different kind of an application is going to have a, some different functionality, I would think. AI is not a perfectly general uh, thing, is all I'm saying. It's, it's probably got some a lot of nuances that are different depending on, on the application using it. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, it's... Uh, I. I I think you're right. I think that they're going to, um, you know, try to, to work towards, you know, some targeted areas where they think that they can have, you know, uh, leverage their advantage. Um, um, I will tell you that just in my experience with, with, uh, daughters in college and seeing what their friends have that, that at the college level, Apple's in a really good place in that that the vast majority of people on college campuses that I've seen um, now, granted, it's a small sample size, but but just their their friends and roommates and stuff and just seeing their computers are Apple's. They seems to me like, you know, and if that's what you you, uh, you know, use to do your work when you're in college, that's what you're used to using. And so I think that that will bode well for them as future goes forward and i think that's all just um for a large number of people that's a result of hey we have the iphone we like the iphone look how the iphone you know we, we bought the iphone and it works really well with this cool apple watch which now also unlocks our laptop if we buy a mac laptop and so you know they kind of get sucked into the ecosystem with the phone and the watch and then find out that uh you know everything else works better if you keep it all sort of same brand yeah, I just see yeah. breaking news. China put secret microchip in U.S. computers to spy. Well, we keep hearing rumors of that. Um, what are you looking at? Where are you at? Newsmax. So, I don't know if you got them, but anyway, it's just, it just popped up in the Newsmax notice two minutes ago. So. Anyway, that's not surprising at all because a long time ago, uh, you know, when they say chip, my, my guess would be that uh, it's, it's not really a separate chip. It's just a part of an integrated chip. They somehow found a way that somebody is, in, uh, has, what the, how do you even say that? Uh, you got, you got somebody working for you that's in the chip fabrication business. And they put mm-hmm. your your circuitry uh, attached it to some particular computer, you know, and it, it may be embedded right in uh, a modern day computer chip, you know. Maybe yeah. M1 got it even, you know. If, yeah. If you well, remember that, a while back, a while back there was a thing about um, uh, there was a certain type of router that used a specific board in it, and there was rumors that the Chinese had embedded. Uh, a chip in that that then they could trigger and send stuff back to uh, to China. Um, and then as somebody kind of rightly pointed out, he said, realize that that's a completely programmable board, that they don't have to put a chip in it. They they do upgrade updates to the firmware on it the, uh, all the time, and they could just slip it into any one of the updates and, you know, uh, if they wanted to. You know, it's it's it, doing it as a physical chip is probably less of a, a fear than other things. But the other thing is, is somebody like Apple, you know, they say designed in America, built, you know, but they build all their stuff in, in uh, well, Taiwan right now. So they're not even in China proper. They're in Taiwan. 
Um, but um, I think you have to you have to trust somebody somewhere, you know, in terms of what's going on. My guess is is that Apple not only um, you know when they take uh, the chips from Taiwan Semiconductor before they're, you know, they, I'm sure they pull samples out at random times and they check them and they go in with a microscope and they look at it and to say, you know, has anything on this chip been changed? You know, we designed it. Does it, is there anything on here that looks like somebody's tinkered with it? And if there was, they would immediately cancel their contract and, and go to a, you know, second party manufacturer. So, um, I, I, I have less fear of that than I think, uh, the average person would just because I, you know, don't think that that's something that that they would let happen. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, Intel is mentioned here, and uh, they mentioned here. I'll just read: Intel's investigators found a supermicro super server began communicating with APT17, which I don't know what the heck that is. Shortly after receiving a firmware patch from an update website that Supermicro had set up for customers. So Supermicro sounds like another company that's worked with Intel that's been penetrated by... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and it was exactly what I said. It was a firmware update. Yeah. So and anyway, that I would be more worried about. Anyway, it's a fairly long article here. Yeah. Uh, but that, that those, those seem to be the players. Uh, yeah. Did you see 60 Minutes the other night? The CEO of Microsoft was on there talking about this, too. Oh, in fact, look at this. This is, uh, remember I mentioned the other time this had happened, Supermicro. This is the same company that was accused or, or was that they had said maybe had this problem back in 2018. And when people investigated it, found out that it was there was nothing there. It was just rumors. Very possibly set out by competitors to Supermicro. And they and the Supermicro does specialty boards that do like sound processing and networking. Yeah. So well, um, you asked yeah. a question. What was it? I, well, I mentioned that the CEO, I forgot his name, of Microsoft was on 60 Minutes talking about security. Gupta. Right. Oh, no, that's Google's Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta. He's not the yeah, president that, No, no, no. That's that's Google. I got the wrong name. That's why I was correcting myself. Oh. No, I don't I don't remember the guy's name, but anyway, he he was uh and I didn't actually listen to the uh, program. Uh Yeah, Satya Nadella. Yeah. I I I was uh too busy with other things at the point in time and it kept going and I didn't go back to watch it so yeah I missed it basically but anyway it's going to be in the news for quite a while I'm sure as they now everybody's on alert for stuff uh, any kind of ambiguities in their program or behaviors or their systems and yeah I think most of these companies have a whole you know department division or whatever that that tracks that kind of stuff nowadays you know, I think you pretty much have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, it uh, seems to me that a lot of this stuff, stuff should have been avoided up front anyway, especially if you have any anything of value, uh, significant value. Uh, they, 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 
I think the people have hooked stuff into networks whether they needed to or not, just because that's what everybody was doing. And, yeah. Uh, they're in. Yeah. Do you well, really need a smart dishwasher? <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure nobody was even thinking about. It. Oh, yeah. Everybody's doing it. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think a whole bunch of them did it very willy-nilly, which is one of the things I know that, that Apple was very cautious to do. And it's like, you know, with their HomeKit stuff, in order to be HomeKit certified, you have to encrypt your data as you transfer back and forth within the home network and things like that. And, uh, um, you know, I think that that's yep. so overlooked. You know, I mean, the idea of having some the data end-to-end encrypted, you know, if you've got bunch of junk in your home makes sense yep. you know but if you go buy that cheap $20 camera or a cheap $20 power switch it's not going to have that and so uh it's um although you know the home kit stuff is now pretty ubiquitous you just have to make sure there's a lot of things that say oh yeah we work with the google and with the um uh, amazon echo system but uh, you know, if you check and see if, if they say they work with HomeKit too, then that generally means that they've, you know, gone to another level of security within the way the thing communicates, which I think is worthwhile. What we're supposed to be seeing this year, uh, of course, with COVID, who knows if it's going to be delayed? But there was a new standard of of communication of home uh, automation type things for cameras and for smart switches and all of that. And it was a coalition put together with Google and Amazon and Apple. And they were all agreeing on one standard so that all the stuff that you buy, if it's certified for that standard, will work with everybody. So that you don't have these multiple different, uh, you know, bits and pieces that may or may not work together. So that's supposed to start coming out this year. And that will have security built into it. Yeah. So it's funny, though, too, you know, sometimes, like I said, you think I think that a lot of that stuff was made smart or automated. I say smart in air quotes, automated because they could not because it's better off that way. I mean, for some things, it's better just to be able to go flip a switch. I know I've got some smart lights in my house and my wife gets infuriated sometimes because she's why can't I just go flip the stupid switch? Well, you know. Something as simple as just using a credit card for a business, you know, it was the paper systems that they used for years before they got computers, you know. And uh-huh. the other night I was at a place picking up my order, and for some reason the gal could not get the comu- her computer to work. So she almost was in a panic. She didn't know how to charge me. And I didn't. And she could see I wanted to get the hell out of there, you know. And, yeah. Uh, but... Finally, I offered to pay cash because I just didn't want to, you know. Yeah, I mean, you I, can't figure out your technology. I don't want to stand here waiting yeah. for you. You know, and she couldn't She couldn't even make change. So I, I paid her almost what I owed her, you know. She was happy yeah. to get anything at that point. Yeah. She couldn't make change. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I really she, appreciate she, it when was, somebody actually counts was, the change back to you. She was totally dependent on an iPad-based system that somehow something went wrong. And and after she swiped the card, I think it was a phone line connection, really. I don't think it had to do with that. It was, it, it wouldn't answer, you know, it wouldn't keep connection. Right. Yeah, the and payment so, processing center, it wouldn't attach to the payment processing center, and so she couldn't take your card. The funny thing is, is these days, even if, you know, I remember when they first started going to the electronic 
card systems, everybody still had the little mechanical thing that you'd stick your card in and then go, shook, shook, and they'd you know pull out and they'd have the carbons, right. or sometimes they'd have a carbonless version right. of it. They, and they went back to those all the time. Yeah, they've thrown those away. Yeah. Well, and it wouldn't do you any good now because a lot of bank places are now issuing cards that no longer have the numbers raised on the card. So you couldn't run it through a manual process if you wanted to. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I don't understand why somebody goes in business with a, this total dependence on something that they don't have any control over. If it goes berserk, they're out of business. Yeah. I mean, how how silly can you be? Yeah. Well, and and I mean, maybe she was just flustered, but you know, learn how to count out cash and how to count back change. I so yeah. appreciate it when when somebody actually says, you know, tells me how much my bill was and then counts my change back to the amount of money that I gave them, and does that correctly rather than you know, takes the money in a wad and hands it to me because that's what the computer said they were supposed to hand me. Yeah. You know. And the other thing that they've started doing, which I hate, 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 is take the bill, lay on top of that any paper bills, and then put the change on top of that. So now you're balancing a bunch of coins on top of slippery paper that you're now handing that's, to that's, me. That's right. This stuff is just going to come sliding off of there. It's like, <laughs> you know what? Hand me the coins, then hand me the paper. Is it right. so hard to do those two things in that order? Yeah, and they do, you know? they do it exactly the wrong way. Exactly. Yeah, it's frustrating. And you know why? Because it's easy for them. Yeah. No care for the customer at all. It's just easy for me. Not even thinking about the fact that, you know, you're going to... And if you drop some of the coins, especially in a drive through where you can't, like, get the coins out because they all fall on the ground well, outside your car. Of course, that's where it always happens, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, really? Do you do this on purpose so that you can come out here and pick up the coins at the end of the night? Is that what this is? Uh, it's irritating. You know, little things like that. You know, I um, uh, on occasion will get a uh, a breakfast to go and eat on it for several days during the week at a local cafe, and uh, and my wife and I will we'll both eat on that for a while, and um, or or we'll each get our own and eat on ours if we want something different. I like things she doesn't like. I like mushrooms and peppers and onions. So you know, um, but anyway, you know. One of the options is to get like a biscuit and gravy to go with your breakfast, or you can get a muffin or toast or whatever you want. I like the biscuits and gravy. It's not exactly healthy, but I like it, you know. And um, every time, if I'm getting it to go, I always say put the gravy on the side. You know, don't put it on the biscuit because I may not eat the biscuit the first day. Um, and or even if I do eat the first day, by the time I get home, the the, the gravy soaked in is just a, just a pile of mush. You know, and I want the little bit of the crustiness of the biscuit. And uh, it seems to me, I mean, it just call me crazy that if somebody's ordering something to go, that anytime there's a sauce, it should not be put on top of the food yet. Ship it separately so that you keep the texture of both the things. But you're surprised. I'm surprised at how many places and especially these days during the pandemic where we're getting a lot of, you know, if we eat out, it's always food to go. I'm not sitting in a restaurant that they don't do that. They put the sauce on top of it. And it's like, well, I'm not eating it here. So by the time I get to eat that, it's just going to be this the, a mushy texture that is, you know, think, people think. Yeah. It's my rant for the day. It's like, if you're packaging something for somebody to eat somewhere else, don't put saucy things on top of the food. Just put it in a separate package, separate container. 
I guess unless it's maybe pasta. You could put the sauce on the pasta, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise your pasta dries out, and then you've just got a giant clump of stuck-together, dried-out pasta. Yeah. Well, lately, having carry-out food, we've learned a number of things about dishes that we liked when we used to go in and get them, but when you bring them home, they're not the same. <laughs> right. Yeah, and part of it is that, you know, it's a, a, it's gotten, you know, it's kind of like cooled off and congealed, and then you have to reheat it and re-microwave it or something to get it. But but it just textures change. Yeah. And that's an important part of enjoying a meal. It's not just the flavor, it's the textures. You know, if something is, is uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, one of the meals that we like is uh, Parmesan-crusted chicken, where it's it's a chicken breast that's been pounded flat, and then it's got, like, Parmesan crust on it. Well, yeah. There's like a, a lemon wine sauce that goes over the top of that. Yeah. You pour the lemon wine sauce over the Parmesan crusting. It's not Parmesan crusting anymore. Now it's just soft, silk, mushy bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, the flavors are all there. It's just not the same. Yeah. Well. Yes. It's packaging uh, technology. The, you need the, better packaging people, tech. Some people are, come, uh, restaurants really do a much better job. And I think. Part of it has to do with they buy better uh, packaging to send it out in. It sort of retains yeah. the heat or something better, or I don't know what it yeah. is. Yeah, no, but. there's be- you're right. There's better packaging, and also there's just more thoughtful about hey, you know, we realize that this is going home, so let's put this together a little differently than we would if we were putting it together on a plate for you. That right. this this container is not a a um the equivalent of a portable plate it is actually a transportation device and now you know some assembly may be required at the other end in order to get this to be an enjoyable meal you know and just knowing what the heck it is you're selling and what's the best way to package it for people can go a long way towards making it a better experience you know i have found most of the places if it's something that i know and i know it needs to be packed a certain way i can explain that to them you know, and they will generally get it right, you know, mm-hmm. but people's habits are hard to overcome. So I have requested it packaged a certain way and then gotten there and found out they didn't do that. And usually they're willing to redo it for you. But it's like, I don't know that I want to stand here and wait for you to re-prepare my meal. Um, plus, that costs you an extra money already in a time when you're difficult. So usually I'll just suck it up, but I'll point out to them, hey, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And then maybe sometimes even further, here's why I wanted you to do that. You understand? It's not just because I'm, you know, have quirky yeah. ideas about, uh, of course, I don't know that they care all that much, but but some of them do, especially the managers. They'll, they, they care more because they want to try to instruct their people to put it together in a, you know, more desirable way. So, anywho. Yeah, I, I see where... Uh... A judge rejects a lawsuit accusing Apple's Siri of eavesdropping. Yeah. It was in Oakland, California. Yeah, uh, there's a fair amount of paranoia about, uh, you know, all of the smart assistants listening in on what you do. And, uh, you know, at one point in time, I thought about that a little bit, but then I decided, you know, it's kind of silly because I'm not going to walk around without my watch or without my phone, and those all have microphones and listen for me to talk. So why am I afraid of having a, a, a little speaker in the room that does the exact same thing? Yeah. So, I've seen a lot of stuff in the, uh, in the articles lately about Apple Car. Apparently they're talking to every automaker in the world that hasn't already been grabbed. 
I know yeah. Microsoft has now got VW on their side, on their team. Yeah. Well, you know, Microsoft's been in cars for a long time. They built a uh, uh, infotainment system and have been expanding on that for a long time. So, like, all of the Ford cars have have uh, Ford Sync. And if, if you look at it, it's actually branded Ford Sync by Microsoft. And so they've been in Ford cars for a long period of time as well. So, yeah. But, um, but, but I think this had to do with, uh, with eventually producing a car because I saw that Microsoft yeah. was interested in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, Accidental Tech Podcast, by the way, for those who care. And uh, one of the guys there owns a Tesla, and he said something that I had not heard before. Um, but he said, you know, that, that he has to reboot the car computer. And it's essentially a rolling computer. He has to reboot it sometimes while he's moving. And he says, yeah, it'll be gone for like a minute. <laughs> and during that minute, no turn signals. No lights, no you know, no controls. I mean, you can drive the car, and the what car kind of still car runs. Is that? The Tesla. Really? Yeah, a Tesla, and I hadn't thought about that. But he says, yeah, he says at least once a month. He's the the car needs to reboot. Sometimes it's while I'm driving the car. Good lord. And you know, he said, yeah, the they got the uh, batteries in there. Why is that? They must have the, a real yeah. Well, and why don't they have a system set up so that it's got redundant computers so you can reboot one and then switch immediately to that one and then reboot the other so that you're never without full functionality of your car, you know? And, I mean, if if you're rebooting the infotainment system, that's one thing. But if you're rebooting, like, the turn signals and the headlight controls, that's a little freaky. No, that's, that's, that shouldn't even be allowed. Yeah. And he said that, you know, you're, you know when that happens... It still drives. I mean, you can still steer it, and the brakes still work, and the accelerator still works. But, but, uh, but basically, everything else is just sort of in reboot mode, and it'll take you know ninety seconds. Oh, that's that's. Can can you imagine? That yeah, that yeah. scared the, the 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 heck out of me. And I yeah. see, and I don't know about where you're at, but where I'm at. In Southern California, there's Teslas all over the place. I mean, if I get in my car and go to the grocery store, I am guaranteed to see at least one, if not four or five. Hmm. You know? And I live in the burbs. I mean, it's not like I live down in L.A. where there's, like, you know, super rich people driving around. I mean, there's just Teslas all over the place. You know, a lot of the Model 3s. But, uh... Yeah. how about your brother-in-law? Has he complained about it? You know, I haven't talked to Monty, so I'll have to ask him if he's uh, if he's had that experience. Now, I will tell you one thing, that the people who are driving Teslas now are like people who were using Apples uh, 20 years ago, in that it's just this side of a religion for them. So, you know, it's not quite, I mean, I wouldn't call it a religion for them, but they are such fans of their car and, and that company that they will accept a lot of what most people would say is almost unacceptable issues with it, just because they're saying, this car is so phenomenal. And so, in fact, even the guy on the podcast was saying, he goes, yeah, it's terrible, but I love the car so much in every other way. It's such a great car. That I'm willing to tolerate that and put up with. What 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 makes it great for them? I was wondering. You know what? You know, what it's just you... um, the 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 way it drives, the smoothness is which it drives, the finish finish and appointments inside, the quietness of the car, the acceleration, 
there's just a lot to like about those cars. And I've driven Montes, and I can tell you, it is a phenomenal car to drive. It's very comfortable, very quiet, um, lots of acceleration, smooth. Um, it, it, there's a lot to like about it. But uh, yeah. with the Model 3 in particular, I don't care for everything being on this big screen in the center console. You know, there's no there's no speedometer or anything in front of you. Everything is on that center console. So you have to look, you know, to your right in, in this country, I guess in the UK, you look to your left uh, to see what's going on. So you have to glance down to the side to see everything. I don't like that. Now, I know the Model S, the more expensive one, the, 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 the larger sedan, still has a it has two screens it has the center console but then it has another screen and it is still a a virtual screen it's it's a electronic screen it's not actual dials and stuff but it's got a speedometer and everything there in front of you yeah i much prefer that yeah i i don't i don't like everything on one screen yeah or at least at one located where that one is yeah, a, although that's a, not unusual, a, you know, the make it a short but wide screen and let it come right behind the steering wheel where it belongs. Right. And that's what they did with the Model S. There's two screens. There's a short wide one, horizontal landscape view behind the steering wheel. And on that one, you can get lots of information, but primarily the speedometer and uh, as well as other stuff. So it mimics what's, you know, what we're used to seeing in a car. Um, but the Model 3 doesn't even have that. It, there's nothing behind the steering wheel, you know. But they're not the only ones who've done that. You know, those little Mini Coopers that you see driving around? Yeah. I mean, their speedometer is fully mechanical, and it is in the center stack. There's nothing in front behind the steering wheel. It's to the right. Oh, really? So there's, yeah, so there's precedent for well, cars designed well, pe- that way. People that have those also are definitely religious about it, too. You yeah. Know, I, used to, I used to work with a guy who had five Mini Coopers. He, the original he, he ones. Five people in his family. Yeah. And Love those nuts. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Cars will do yeah, you know, that. there's a lot of, of quirky products like that that are not mainstream products that the people who love them just love them to death. You know, and you could probably find one in almost every category. You know? Yeah. I mean, Have they're more popular that? now than they used to be, but remember when you, you had originally gotten the Vitamix Blender? And people who had Vitamix blenders just thought they were... Or Kirby vacuums, you know? I mean, a Kirby vacuum's like a freaking tank. It weighs a ton. But people who have them swear by them and say, oh my gosh, this thing does everything. It's the best vacuum ever, and it's got a meat grinder attachment. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why would I use my <laughs> well, vacuum as a meat grinder? I had two Kirbys at once. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I, I, and they were built like a tank. But, but the worst thing about it is you couldn't get under any furniture with it. Right. You know, it, I, well, I, like a tank, it's it's big. <laughs> I've, I've given up on the whole business of these uh, upright type of vacuums. I went yeah. back to a canister because you can get those into any place you want to suck. You know, and, yeah. and mine is a German built one that has more suction than you can than you need, really. Yeah. It's yeah. Really, well, and it runs, and, uh, and on top of that, runs very quietly. Because they because yeah. they've optimized it and they and the 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 thing that makes the noise is down at your feet away from you as opposed to up closer to you right right because right. if you look at the trend today a lot of places are selling these uh, stick vacuums that they the 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 motor and everything is basically right up by your hand where there's a battery 
And yeah. and so the end of it is sort of like the canister, except that they've just shrunk down the canister and made it battery powered. And so it, you know, the hand, your hand end has has a battery and a and a motor to create the suction. And then there's a long tube with a with a vacuum head at the end. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And I say that I have one of those, but the one that I got very specifically uses the same battery as my. Uh, as my drill and my my saws and all of my elect, you know my battery powered tools, it also is the same battery that powers my lawnmower. So I have a charging thing with six batteries in it, and I've got a dustbuster that uses that same. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that uses that battery. <laughs> so so and then I've got a whole bunch of those batteries. So it's you know I never have to worry about having a battery that's charged because I've you know got a bunch of them that runs all kinds of different things. Pick the device you want, grab a battery, snap it in, and go. By the way, here's here's a shocking headline. Facebook's Zuckerberg tells staff to, in quotes, inflict pain on Apple. As I read that. Staff. You see that? Yeah, I read that. I'm wondering, you know, who on Zuckerberg's staff leaked that? Or did Zuckerberg leak that because he wanted to let, you know, sound a siren of, of you know, beat the yeah. beat the war drums for, for Apple to hear. We're coming to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I you know what are they going to do? Remove their product from Apple um, Apple platforms and just tell people if you want our product, you have to use something else. And how many people would leave Apple because they want to get to Facebook? I, I don't know, but he's uh, he's he's a, he's scared. Yeah, and and how many people if he if he removed his product from Facebook or from Apple, uh, how how quickly do you think that there would be all kinds of of uh, instructions out there on how to just launch the uh the facebook website from your browser and then who cares and save you can save that bookmark as an icon on your desktop on your on your phone just like it was an app and get to it same old way so i you know i don't think he has a strong position here yeah so yeah he's he's running scared because the next version of apple's ios operating system which is in beta right now will uh will inform you of every app that is using your information and and then ask you if you want that app to be able to do that or not. Yep. And he doesn't want people to know how much they're being tracked because it's obscene. That's right. And Apple and Apple's basically saying, "Hey, there's nothing wrong with your business model. You just got to be fair and tell people what it is you're doing." <laughs> well, and he he's basically like that. reflecting that he has had pain inflicted on himself, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, he's he's very unhappy about this this upcoming uh, uh, iOS update. There's a few other things that are in that update too, by the way. Uh, one of them is the ability to unlock your phone uh, with if you have an Apple Watch with your Apple Watch and partial face. So if you're wearing a face mask. You can use partial face and the watch, and it'll still unlock your phone. So that's their way around saying, oh, you know, you, we, we went to face face ID, and then everybody's wearing masks, and it doesn't work anymore. They're saying, well, if we get two different yeah. factors that authenticate yeah, I, you, your I, watch and... I'm really anxious for that feature because that's, that's uh, still a pain. And I think we're going to be wearing masks for a while yet. Yeah, um yeah, I agree. I think that's a um uh 
an interesting feature that'll make the thing much more usable. Um, it's been bothering me so much that I actually have an old iPhone five that I've been using around here somewhere, and uh, I will uh, like copy my grocery list and stuff onto that one so that when I'm walking around the store. I don't have to keep typing in my uh, my pin code or slide my mask down to let it see my face because it's got a fingerprint ID on there, and yeah. uh, and that that I like. Um, yeah, so there's a few things in there with that. One of them is the uh, the uh, uh, unlock your phone, much like you can. Un- People who don't have Macs don't know this, but you can use your watch; it'll automatically unlock your computer already and i've got that turned on so like when i sit down here in my office uh i get a little tap tap on my wrist and and it says hey we're we're unlocking your uh your computer for you which is nice you know it's not a must-have but it's just handy you don't have to type in stuff um one of the other things that they're adding is something that's very similar to one of their competitors uh ways allows you to identify uh, while you're driving down the road, uh, whether you've seen uh, an accident or something. And they're building that into Apple Maps now so that when you're driving, uh, you'll have the ability to use Siri to say, hey, Shlomo, uh, I just saw an accident, and it'll automatically log that. And, you know, uh, and, and, and they didn't have to buy a company in order to get that feature. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, so, it's... Uh, when. They did you know, it the right way. Just did, just did it in their own their own way themselves. Well, and you know, part of that is is because they wanted to make sure that when you're sending that information in and stuff, that you're not identifying things. That you know, they're not tracking you. They just want that piece of information. They want to know where it is and what location it is, and they don't care who sent it in or whatever. You know, they just that that's right. that's share the information, and so yep. they did that. Um, the other thing that's going to be in in iOS fourteen point five is you can change your default music app. Like right now, it's by default Apple Music, but for those who are Spotify users, uh, they will allow you to uh, change your default app to Spotify. And that's one of the big complaints. You know, Spotify joined in with that gaming company uh, in complaining that Apple's being unfair. Uh, And so Apple's saying, well, you know, here, if you want, you know, if people want you to be their default music app, that's fine too. We'll let you do that because, you know, just because we own the platform doesn't mean that we uh, have to uh, to cheat everybody else out of an opportunity to, to have full functionality on the platform. Besides, if we do that too much, we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> you know, that's where Microsoft got in trouble years ago. Was you remember with the whole browser wars thing, and they were forced by the EU to allow other browsers to be the default. Yeah. On Windows, yeah. Um, yeah, so so there's a variety of things. There's a, an up. Apparently, there's some updates in the way that iOS works with Outlook for people who use Outlook as their mail server, and um, the latest um, iPhones uh, support dual SIMs. You can have a a virtual SIM built in, and you can stick the little SIM card in. But apparently, that didn't work in 5G, and the new um, iPhone 12s will now support dual SIM in 5G mode as well with this update. Um, and there's uh, some updates to the Apple Fitness Plus um, so that you can uh, run it on, like, your iPad and then use AirPlay 2 to send it to any AirPlay 2 compatible device. So if you don't have an Apple TV plugged into your television set but you have a newer television set that is an AirPlay 2 
uh, compatible one, which a lot of them are now, uh, then you can launch it on your phone and then aircast it to the screen so you can have it on the big screen while you're working out if you want. Yeah, um, I, I was going to comment on your your Apple remark. It, it basically, that works through Siri, and there are several things that Siri will accept. Like there's a crash up ahead, there's something on the road, there's a speed trap here, and also when somebody comes along and is marked on there, if they, you can say the hazard is gone if it's marked on your map, you know, and then it'll go away, or the incident is no longer here. So right. So yeah, that and that's be- the way it works on Waze as well. But the nice thing is you can do it through Siri, so you don't have to take your hand and touch something on the screen. You can just talk to it and say, here it is. Right, right. Yeah, it's totally a Siri-based to- system. Yeah, so right. you don't have to take your totally eyes off of the... I mean, the, the, the map actually marks the, the, the kind of incident. The spot, that they, right. But, but you can make it go away or come back, you know. Right, and you don't have to then... Um, uh, you know, take your eyes off the road while you're doing it, which is a drawback. And the reason I've never used the Waze one that much, unless I'm a passenger in the car, uh, because it, you know, you have to tap on a thing to get the menu up and then tap on another thing to say what it is that you saw. And it's just too much visual interaction that I can't do while I'm driving. Right. So I hear squeaking. Is that a puppy dog? That's a puppy dog. I don't know what she's hollering about. Oh, mama's eating. Uh-huh. Ah. I'm gonna be eating soon. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it terrible when somebody eats in front of a puppy dog and the poor puppy dog is just starving to death? That's right. You know, it's funny, the the the, the fattest dog in the world suddenly thinks that they're emaciated if when when you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, what she really does doesn't like is if we put her outside, you know, and then yeah. she comes back and looks in the window and realizes that we're both not sitting over in our TV seats that we're somewhere else. Yeah. She knows where to look. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute, they're at the table. I know what that means. I'm That's getting right. cheated. You tried to trick me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pets are funny. And they train us well. <laughs> they do. They really do. Uh, anyway, uh, it says here... Uh, Apple releases Mac OS Big Sur five days ago. I don't know if I've updated mine. Don't use my computer that often. Have you? Up- what's What's the latest version? I'm on on eleven point two point one, which I believe the point one is the update that was released a couple days ago. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Right, that's and it. in fact, that was the one when they released it said. We're fixing a couple problems that we know are being exploited in the wild. Upgrade quickly. And so that came with a warning from Apple, which is unusual, saying, update this because we do know that some of these exploits are being used to attack devices. Okay, well, maybe I better upgrade then. Yeah. It takes a little while for the update to to download and go, though. So it it was, for me, I think it was about a 15-minute process. So, yeah. so uh, I I can't upgrade my mini to that because it's already past the it's uh, it's day mm-hmm. and so uh, they're very. But you know upgrades. what? Go to system preferences and and software update and see if there is an update because they do do security updates for older versions of the OS for a period of time. And well, just I'll just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I'll check them both out. 
I, yeah. I tend to use this machine almost more than my uh, portable anymore. I'm talking about my mini. Right. But but I do probably intend to upgrade that uh, to maybe an iMac instead of a mini. I, I assume I can upgrade okay just to you know from a mini to an iMac without losing any anything you know. How, do you know how that works? You know the backup that I have on the cloud. Well, that well, can I read that down to any other new Mac? Um. Yeah, they have a, a, a migration assistant that will basically migrate everything over for you. So all of your settings and everything will come across, even though it's a different version of the operating system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it'll it'll reinstall any of the apps that you got from the App Store. If you have apps that were installed outside of the App Store, then you're on your own, unless you're restoring from a full backup. But if you just okay. use the migration assistant, it will configure your new machine like your old machine i don't know i always when i get a new machine take that as an opportunity to rebuild my machine so i go through and make a list of the things that i use often and i put those apps back and i copy over documents from my documents folder and my desktop files that are on my desktop and i copy those over but i don't want you know because over a period of time you get all kinds of cruft and stuff and configuration files and and every once in a while that causes your your machine to behave strangely and so i just figure you know anytime you get a new machine that's a perfect time to just start fresh so i almost never copy over everything yeah well i figured it'd you probably know. take quite a while to do it the other way <laughs> yeah well and that's it it does take a while because you copy everything you know you copy stuff over and then you go to do something you're like oh i don't have that app so then you well, got go to go yeah in download fact, and install talking here I, it, software update is available for my my mini so ah okay to... see <laughs> yeah yeah well and specifically because they said that one was a um a uh kind of important update because they knew that there was people exploiting it um, I figured that that one would probably be pushed back. And your Mini is a, like a 2012 or a 2014, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting old somewhere. Yeah. Well, the reason I said that is because I think at that uh, that level of machine is that they're in that, that twilight area where the machine hasn't been completely retired. It's not been removed from uh, support, but it is in that limited support age where it's like, okay, you can't use the latest. It's it's like the mo the most recent set of machines that can't use the latest version of the operating system, but will still support it for a while. You know, because yeah. they the, their general sort of rule of thumb has been a machine is fully supported with the latest operating system for uh, seven or eight years, and then after that, it's in like twilight support for another uh, four or five years, and then it's phased out where it just we won't give it any more support. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You, know, you figure I, uh, if you get if you can get twelve or thirteen years out of a computer, you're probably doing fine. You know, do you really want to use a thirteen year old computer even if there is updates? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I I've got really I've got a couple twenty twelve minis. But I, Go ahead. but I do like big screens. Yeah. You know, that's that's the problem with my little portable. If I ever were to upgrade my portable, I wouldn't accept anything less than at least 14 or 15 inches. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, rumor has it that there you're going to eventually see that 14 inch one, which is, you know, the which will be the pro. So the air will be 13 inches. The pro will be 14 and 16 because right now it's 13 and 16. So we'll see yeah. if that happens. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of rumors. But, uh, you know, we know we're going to see new computers over the next 12 months because they're, you know, slowly switching everything over to the M series chips. Usually, what, June, June, July time frame? Yeah, you sometimes see some pro announcements mid-year. They tend to do things by quarters, so there's some rumors that there might be some some announcements the first quarter in March and then in June, and then usually in the fall is is more uh, phone stuff. But uh, they have done new computers at the end of the year as well. Um, I'm surprised that you don't see more computers done early fall or late summer, you know, like pre before you go back to school. Yeah. But uh, maybe they look at that as a time that people are coming in and just buying computers. And those people aren't the ones who are picky about getting the latest and greatest. They just want a functioning computer. So that's where they, they dump extra stock and things. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, cause I mean, let's face it. I mean, if somebody, you know, is uh, the average schmo, I mean, you and I wouldn't go buy an Apple laptop that wasn't an M one based laptop today, but the average schmo says, I need a laptop for my kid. They walk into the Apple store or go to the Apple website or wherever these days, I guess it's website, you know, and they go, well, what's the, you know, best one I can get for the cheapest amount of money. I mean, what, you know, this is for my kid to go to school. They're not, yeah. you know, same way when they go, to get phones, right. They go in and they go, what do you got a deal on? You know, most people don't care. They, you know, they, most people know that there's a difference between Android and iOS. And if they've got one, they just want one. That's the newer version of whatever it is they got. So, you know, what's the new one of these, Yeah, you know, and they don't care if there's going to be a brand new one released tomorrow. They don't care. It's like, I'm not, you know, I just, I need a phone today. This one doesn't work anymore. I'm fed up. So give me, you know, give me one. Yeah. Which I guess this may be the article you read under pressure from Apple Silicon believed believed Intel stoops to selective benchmark claims. Yeah. I've read several articles along those lines, but yeah, that's, I think that sounds like one of them. Kind of a counter to the, to the original Intel thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think if push came to shove, they would admit that, yeah, yeah, we picked this, the, the, ones that ours look better at of course you know we're not stupid (laughs) but 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 the point is is for certain things our chips are still better and they're probably right for certain things they are better um you know at least at least for now the graphics that are on the apple chip are fine for desktop or for for minimal efforts but if you're going to do something that's very graphics intensive uh you know the discrete graphics cards in in computers that have slots or are designed with with something from one of the graphics card manufacturers are, are probably superior. And if that's don't important you, to you, in, then in maybe fact, that's what that, you should do. Don't, don't you kind of expect an M2 and an M3 to come out uh, uh, the, the next announcements? I mean, meaning that it's going to be an enhanced M1 for for the kinds of things you would do on a on an iMac. Yeah, I I don't know if they're going to call it M2, M3, or if this whole series is going to be M1 and M1A and M1X and M1, you know, plus or whatever. Um, But yeah, I fully expect that we're going to see that the next set of computers that come out are going to have faster graphics and more memory 
and and run at a higher speed, you know, they're going to be better. Yeah. And then yeah, Intel won't. In fact, I think that's why Intel decided to come out with this now because I don't. Th- I think they recognize that you know in six months they may not be able to make those claims anymore. Right. You know. So take advantage of it now. Get it into the public consciousness that hey, Intel's better at some things because that may not be true for very long and so you know better now than not at all right (laughs) right so yeah yeah now that's curious do you think that they will call it the m2 and the m3 for the more advanced computers or do you think that they'll go with like some subscript like m1x or m1a or something and then next year will be the m2s and the year after that the m3s I frankly don't care about numbering systems, but I was just trying to make the point that that there's obviously a nice big screen that then they're going to be people that buy the IMAX do a lot of video work and stuff like that and and the oh, more yeah. powerful work, you know. So yeah, no, I and I get that. I'm just saying I'm just curious about how they'll they'll structure that, you know. Um, yeah. I'm betting on it not being. Uh, I'm betting on the number being something that they change annually or biannually or whenever they feel like they've got a, the, yeah, to bump it. Right. Yeah. You know, but that exactly. that everything that we're going to see in the next year will be a variation of an M1 of some sort. You know, right. I mean, this first right. M1 is just called the M1, but internally it might be the M1A, and then there's an M1B or you know M1X and M1Z or whatever they're you know right. whatever they're they're categorization but i'm I'm betting on something like that probably going forward um as some sort of uh a way of tracking it um and then the you know see the 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 bigger numbers will be for the 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 architectural changes as opposed to the you know we're adding more memory or more graphics bandwidth or whatever Um, but we'll see how that all shakes out over time you know the other other thing thing, i was gonna say that i really expect more uh speed up, uh, clock speed kind of things mm-hmm. uh, for the, uh, especially the IMAX and, the, and of course the PowerPC, obviously. Yeah, yeah, because they've got the ability to put a lot more um, uh, cooling in those. You said the PowerPC, right. you meant the Mac Pro. That's right. And, yeah, and yeah. That, what you'll see so you can run that. that chip a lot hotter because they've got a big cooling system built into it already. And, so. and you may be you may be able to buy those things. You know, there will be you know a non-pro, and there'll be a pro version. The pro version is the one that's got this, the high clock, right? You know. Yeah. Well, that was where I was going to go. Was I was going to ask you what you thought about the um, uh, like right now they have an iMac, and then um, starting at about uh, what is it um, five grand, I think. Yeah, four four nine ninety nine is the iMac Pro, and uh, it's got you know a little bit brighter screen and uh, and a little bit um, uh, you know a different physical color to the shit to the to the casing and stuff. But the main difference is is that the iMac Pro runs an Intel Xeon processor inside, and you can get that in ten, fourteen, and eighteen core versions. Uh, and you can get uh, Radeon graphics that are bumped up, you know, the Vega 56 and Vega 64 and 64X graphics chips. So you can get significantly better graphics uh, performance from the different types of graphics chips. So my question is, when they go to the M series chips, does the iMac Pro disappear? 
because now the iMac running an M-series chip is already faster than the old Pro, do they just say there's the iMac? Or do they say, no, there's still a Pro version of it, and, and it's going to be an even more souped-up M chip? Well, that's what you think. They're going to try yeah. to get as much out of it as they can. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, though. You know? Um Maybe they say, you know, we've got the iMac running the M chip, and then if you want the souped-up version, you go to the to the Mac Pro. But that's even a bigger step up in terms of cost, right? And that one you have to buy a monitor with, and the only monitor that's available from Apple costs more than the iMac does. So, you know, there's a weird step there where it's like you go from expensive to insanely expensive, and there's not like a middle ground yeah. unless they keep the iMac Pro. So maybe there is a sense for the iMac Pro to be that sort of middle ground. It's hard to I don't say. Know. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's really a marketing issue more than a technology issue, right? It's like, how do they want to package this? Well, but there's a lot of software difference, too, because I don't think that uh, that other Intel processor runs the same software exactly as, the, uh, as their standard Intel machines. Right? It does. It run no. It runs the same microcode, so you don't have to recompile for that at all. Oh, is that right? Okay, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but it is a different underlying architecture that runs hotter and allows them to to go uh, broader with more more uh, chips or more CPUs. Hmm. So, well, it's it's not very predictable at this point. Yeah, no, it's just, it's kind of fun to think forward and say, well, how will that work? You know, I think a lot of it's going to be, how does the M1 scale? You know? Yeah. Like, can they make an M1 that has 18 cores in it? High performance cores? You know? Or, or, obviously they can, but will they? Do they make it with more, more cores built in? Uh, you know, do they, they create more graphics units? How big is that chip going to get? You know, I guess when you're putting it into a desktop, it can get really big and you don't have to worry about keeping it as cool and light as you do for laptop use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just because that, that initial idea came out of something that was designed for a phone and for iPads, doesn't mean that you have, you know, you have different constraints then also prevents presents different opportunities. So it'll be interesting to see what that next series of chips does and how, and how they compare to the first series of chips that we've seen. You know, I mean, clearly they're going to have some more IO stuff. They're not going to just have two USB ports. So that's, that'll be expanded. Um, or I guess they're actually, they're USB four ports. So technically they're Thunderbolt ports, but, but just having two of them is not enough IO for some computers, especially for some big desktop computers. Um, you know, if you've got a lot of equipment that you're trying to plug into it. Uh, it was interesting. I heard something the other day after talking about how um, how much faster these new ones are at doing certain things like the, the these new ones being the M1 chips uh, at doing things like compiling code and stuff for developers. Um, it was interesting to hear one guy uh, who's a developer who had been singing the praises of it. Then, in a, you know, at a later time talking about, well, and... The app that I use, you know, he says I use Photoshop once every you know week or so to do something or play with a logo or do some design work. And Photoshop doesn't run on the M1s very well. 
It doesn't run at all, in fact, some functions of it. So he says he's, you know, using a different app that, that's already compiled for M1. And, uh, and he says, to be honest, I don't like having to pay the monthly fee to license using the app, the Adobe stuff anyway. So he was happy to kind of move away from it. But there's still, you know, the, one of the points that the, the Intel people made is their software that doesn't run on M1s. And they're absolutely right. It'll be fixed eventually. But there's still some fairly common software that's not been recompiled and doesn't run well and, uh, and doesn't run properly under Rosetta. You know, Rosetta does a yeah. lot of things really well, but it's not perfect. It doesn't cover every base. Right. Well, I mean, you know, when you do these kind of transitions, all you can do is sort of minimize breakage and then uh, expect that uh, the vendor who writes that code will want to continue to sell it because if you've made yeah. the commitment to go to this other machine, either they're yeah. going to say, the hell with you, Apple, or... Or they're going to fix it. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know Apple's doing everything they can to support the vendors that are popular to right. get it recompiled, rewritten, switched over as fast as possible. So they're providing all the resources they possibly can to say, what do we need to do to help make this easier for you to support our new uh, platform? Yeah. So, you know, when you're big as Apple, people not not too many people are going to uh, be happy being left out. So, yeah. it, you know, because it just means they'll shut their doors and they're out of business. Yeah. Well, and you know that the, you know, the Adobe marketplace, I mean, that's a lot of, they create tools that a lot of creative people use, and that's been popular on the Mac platform for years. So that I don't think they're going to abandon it. They're going to get everything ported over as soon as they can, because that's to their benefit as well. So. You know, there's a there's another threat to Apple that's uh, c kind of coming down the pike now too. The Democrats are, are always concerned about monopolies, and yeah. you know, I, I I don't know how you really do that uh, with with an, an Apple, but there's a lot of people who apparently really think that Apple is threatened because of their uh, some of their policies, like uh, you. They're, they're new M1. They're not going to let anybody else manufacture that or license, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, but it's it's underlying, yeah. it runs on underlying ARM code. They could just say, well, you know, you can license ARM code and make whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, you know, you'd hate to see government step in when you got a, a, a world-leading company like that and yeah. keep from doing what they're doing you know, by some arbitrary rules, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got to say that I believe that Apple has some, has had some arbitrary decisions that I think indicate that they behave in a unfair manner sometimes in terms of how they apply their own rules. Um, and, and they need to be called on that, but very often they're called on that by their own community, their developer community. And, and they tend to fix it you know, once it's pointed out to them that that was, you know, arbitrary and capricious and they tend to go, oh, yeah, you're right. And then they try to fix it. Um, but I think, you know, and this goes it's funny because you got to walk a fine line because I've been a proponent of, you know, companies like Facebook saying, hey, that they they need to be treated like they're a monopoly. Um, and and, you know, I think the case can be made that 
when it comes to social media, they're more of a monopoly than Apple is a monopoly in its areas. You know, because Apple could say, well, you know, we're not the number one seller of phones. We're not the number one sellers of computers. Tell us where we're a monopoly. You know, and the answer is, well, you're the you're a monopoly on the app store. I'm like, okay, so we're the only ones who have an app store for our phone, which is not a monopoly phone. So why is that a problem? You know? Yeah. I mean, I can see both sides of it. I, th- I You know, there are times when big companies do things based on a policy that they put together that seems incredibly unfair at other times, you know, and it's like, uh, just like the laws tend to lag behind the technology, the policies of the companies lag behind their own technology as well. And so they've got to change it as it goes. Um, I know that there have been some developers who've complained loudly that Apple has not been real clear in what the rules are for their app store. And, uh, and they seem seemingly from the outside looking in, when you look at their decisions on certain apps versus other apps, you go, well, it seems very arbitrary. You know, it's like you're applying the rule here for this company, but not for the, you know, this other company. And, uh, you know, and they keep saying, oh, we treat everybody equal and the same. And yet clearly they had cut deals with companies like Amazon and uh, and uh, Facebook uh, in terms of their and Netflix in terms of their apps and how much they were charging and how much could be charged. Uh, you know, that I as a developer wouldn't have gotten that deal. You know, so the question is, is like, well, is that just business? Big businesses need each other. So they cut deals. Or is that unfair in some way? You know, I mean, companies have been doing those kind of deals for years and years where company A and company B, you know, company A has something company B wants and company B has something company A wants. And they say, well, I'll give you this if you give me that. And, you know, and they cut a deal. Um, You know, they have leverage against each other. I mean, that happens, you know, and I as an individual don't have that same leverage, so I can't get the same deal. You know, I don't know that it's the end of the world kind of deal, but who knows? By the way, the next uh, Apple announcement is probably going to be in March. There's yeah. A, a guy is talking about the, uh, the mini LED iPad and the AirTags. Yeah, yeah. The Are they saying it's mini or micro? I thought they were talking about micro LED. No, this is mini LED. Yeah. So it says long yeah, for okay. March. I don't know if that's... Yeah. So mini just means that it's a, a LED array of backlights as opposed to edge backlighting so that they can uh, dim and black out areas of the screen better by turning off the backlighting. So that'll be a higher contrast than what we have in the current ones. I don't know. At some point, I look at a lot of that stuff and I go, well, yeah, okay. So on paper, it's better. But when I'm actually sitting and using it, does it matter to me? Probably not that much. Yeah. You know? But there's other things that you look at and you go like, oh, yeah, that's that's a really cool technology. I want that. Right. So you just and 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 their job as as a company is to uh, listen to their marketing department and figure out like, well, what are the things that we need to put into this model to get enough people to upgrade? And then we'll save some of the other things for the next model to get them to upgrade to that one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's frustrating when you hear like rumors and you hear things coming out of the production line and you see, um, you know, um, uh, patents that they filed and you go like, 
well, give me all that stuff at once. I want all that stuff now. And they'll never do that. It'll come out in dribs and drabs and, and packaged in, in, in you know, X number of features in each one, just enough to get you to buy the next one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Their goal is to get you to keep buying. Apple and everybody, every business is like that. If they're not, then, uh, then they're leaving money on the table. Yep. Yep. So, well, why don't we wrap it up for today? We're creeping up on an hour and a half, which is kind of our uh, limit. And I'll let you go get something to eat so that you can make your poor little dog bark and cry again. Yep. And I think I'll probably go do the same. So, okay. Um, I thank you. And thank you for joining me. And everybody, thanks for joining us here on Generation Tech. We will see you again next Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Y'all have a good day now. Good weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.